so we're going to start by turning Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and um, verse 4 kind of ends, uh, begins in the middle of the sentence and then it stops that sentence and picks up the beginning of another sentence. And so we're going to the second part there where the uh, second sentence begins. Um, Paul is talking about people who have confidence in themselves and he's saying that uh, he, he might have, that he himself might have reasons for such confidence. But he says, if anyone else thinks uh, he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. <laughs> the Apostle Paul. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, tonight. He is an amazing character and amazing in what God has done for him. Uh, we're talking about, uh, talking with Bill just a little bit before anybody else got here, and we're talking about um, people uh, thinking that, you know, they're, they're choosing God, you know. And I think the Apostle Paul is a pretty good example of one not choosing God, but God choosing him. And to think of uh, his uh, thought and his position in regards to Christ and into the church and um, how uh, Paul was there um, as one uh, overseeing the first Christian martyr in the stoning of Stephen and so uh, it's an amazing thing that God would use someone such as that and uh, uh, for in, in such a mighty way in his kingdom and so tonight I want us to look at some things about Paul um, and I think I may kind of do a little question answer, a bit of a question answer thing on his life and just see how well we know him instead of just going through and, and uh, showing you all of it. Where, where did we first see Paul in the Bible? Does anybody know? Is that not the stoning of Stephen? Yeah. Where is that? That's, I got that moment. Eight. Uh, uh, yeah. Seven? Right. Acts 7. Yeah, it is in Acts 7. 7. It's right in Right at the end of Acts chapter 7, uh, verse 58, and then it goes into uh, chapter 8, verse 1. And somebody who has that, if you don't mind reading it, those, those verses. Acts 7 through Acts 8, verse 1. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. So Saul approved of his execution. Um, <laughs> it, uh, he, he, was, he was kind of the, the guy who was there in, in charge of it, to oversee it. He had a position uh, that would be the one to watch their coats, as it says, but he was actually the one uh, for the religious leaders being there to oversee it and seeing the stoning of Stephen. Can you imagine 
stoning Stephen in Stephen's response, what was his response? Don't hold it against them. Don't hold it against them. How would that make you, <laughs> somebody you're trying to put to death and he's saying, Lord, please don't, don't hold us against him. Yeah, Jesus said the same thing when they're crucifying him. Um, and so here's, here's Stephen uh, at this point. This is happening. Just imagine the impact it has on the one who's in charge of your being put to death. Can you imagine that might have disturbed Saul a little bit? Probably just made him matter. Yeah. <laughs> just made him matter. I don't know for sure. Uh, it could have. Where do we see uh, Saul the next time? Acts 9. Acts 9. You're already there. And what's, what's going on in Acts 9? He's chasing down Christians. He's chasing down <laughs> Christians. He's gotten uh, um, authority from the religious leaders to go and get them. And uh, so he's headed to uh, Damascus, right? He's headed to Damascus. He's got, he's got the warrants right there for him. And he's going to get them and bring them back so they can be tried. They could be put in prison or maybe even worse. What happens on the way? The Lord speaks. The <laughs> Lord speaks and strikes him, strikes him down. And it's like there's this bright light, right? And so he falls to the ground and, and the Lord speaks to him. What does he say? Why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? And what is Saul's response? Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And then he responds, uh, he says, I am Jesus who you're persecuting. Jesus is being persecuted. Who's, who's Saul trying to persecute? Followers of Jesus, the church, the body of Christ. And Jesus even says, as you're doing it to them, you're doing it to me. You're persecuting me. You're persecuting these, these folks. You're, you're persecuting me. This is my body, right, after all. So why are you doing this? And um, then when Jesus tells him uh, who he is, um, he, he goes on and says, get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. So you remember the rest of the story here without reading it real quick? What, what goes on then? Yeah, he got blinded. And I guess the light was so bright, I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. And a saint who I think was Ananias, I can't remember his name, was praying, and the Lord told him to go to him and lay hands on him and so forth. And he said, but Lord, this man is killing your people. <laughs> I've heard of this yeah, man. I don't know, yeah. I, maybe you haven't heard of him. <laughs> Just in case. I'm not, yeah, it is. And basically Jesus tells him, I'm in control here, and please go do what you need to do, or go do what you need to do. And so Ananias goes, lays his hands on him, right, and something like scales fall from his eyes and then he can see and uh, he gets up and then he's baptized right and uh, what what does the Lord tell him you remember his calling um, exactly just some things that he, he tells him uh, <clears throat> yeah he tells him um, uh, it's not only here. I can't remember which. You're talking about verse 15. It's actually. Yeah. So okay. God yeah. So telling he's talking Ananias to Ananias. There, uh, Paul later, when he recounts it, talks about him doing. Um, 
But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the peoples. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And he does wind up having to suffer. I think we'll see some of this. But someone who despises the church so much. And God didn't really give him much of a choice in the matter, did he? Not really. <laughs> kind of like Jonah, right? So, here, here's what you're going to do. Let, let, me, let me explain it to you, right? And so, um, and so Ananias, he didn't have a whole lot of a choice either. Uh, he goes and he, he does what the Lord tells him to. And um, and almost immediately then Saul starts. Uh, I, I imagine when this happens, it's like the, when the scales fall from his eyes, it seems like there's a light that goes on in his head too. And it's almost like immediately he starts seeing all these Old Testament things and the connections and how it must have been fulfilled in Jesus. And I think that that probably starts happening with Saul almost right away and he starts telling people well some of his uh, some of the other religious leaders around there find out about this and he has to escape right here's what's interesting is in 22 it says but Saul increased all in more in strength he confronted the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ yeah. So, yeah, he, he's, he's already, the, the light had to have come on. And then they conspire to kill him, and so they have to get him out of town uh, at night um, through an opening on the wall. Remember, he goes on into Jerusalem, and you can imagine the religious leaders that sent him to Damascus to get the Christians, and they're going, wait a minute, this isn't what we sent you for, right? <laughs> this isn't the way it was supposed to happen, but he does. He, he, uh, he's become a, a, a Christian. Um, now I want us to uh, look a little bit what, what do we know about him before he became a Christian what are some things we know about him student we, of Gam 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 yeah, Gamaliel yeah thank you yeah. Gamaliel Acts uh, 22 verse 3 we see that he was a student of Gamaliel what's so impressive or why, why is that important wasn't he the foremost Hebrew scholar of the yeah world? Yeah, he was like the foremost of Hebrew scholars. And if you trained under him, you got an Ivy League education, right? And Paul had had that with Gamaliel. And uh, so we, we see that he had trained under Gamaliel. So that was, he knew the Hebrew law. He understood all of that stuff pretty well. Um, we also find in Acts uh, 22, Paul was a Roman citizen. Um, he's talking to... Uh, centurion there and they're about to uh, beat him and he says is it uh, is it all right to beat a Roman citizen without even letting him be in trial and the, the centurion's like oh I, I came this close to really making a mess of things and um, and then the, the the centurion says you know I bought my citizenship I had to pay for it and we find out that Paul was born a citizen he was born a citizen Rome. And so he, uh, he uses that to his advantage, and we'll, hopefully we'll come back to this in, in a little bit. Um, so we see Paul here in Acts chapter 9, where he is, uh, his conversion happens. And then we see uh, Cornelius in chapter 10, 
um, some of Peter's actions. He's explained to other people Peter, a miraculous escape in chapter 12, and then chapter 13. Uh, chapter 13 is where um, uh, Paul and Barnabas are set apart. We, we mentioned it this morning, the fact that James was one of the commissioning guys to, to help set Paul apart and uh, Paul and Barnabas to go into uh, outside of Judea to take the gospel. Now, um, it is in chapter uh, 13, in verse 9, we see, uh, Then Saul, who was also called Paul, uh, filled with the Spirit, looked straight at uh, Elimus and said, uh, and, and so on. From this point on, he's called Paul. Okay. His name has changed from Saul to Paul uh, at this time, and this is the and this is the place, like I say, where uh, he and Barnabas uh, go out and taking the gospel uh, everywhere. Uh, Paul at this point becomes the main spokesman. Right? Uh, probably would have been Barnabas up until that time, but now it's it's Paul. He becomes the main spokesman for everything. So they go on this first missionary journey. Uh, they're taking the gospel around. And the Gentiles are starting to come into the kingdom. And then and these people, these uh, Jewish zealots, I guess, who haven't, uh, haven't completely understood that it's not the Judaism, but it's uh, being connected with Christ uh, that is, is the main thing here. They're, they're saying, well, these guys, if they're coming into uh, Christianity, they're coming into the church. Uh, this is just true Judaism, and so they're going to have to follow the, the uh, ceremonial laws, right? They're going to have to eat all the right things and, and observe the right days, and, they, and the males are all going to have to be circumcised and all this sort of stuff. So Paul is saying, no, that's not the case. And Peter is even saying, no, that's not the case. And so they have to have this big council, and this is the first... Uh, major council of the church we see in Acts 15 and uh, it is here that uh, um, you know they ask Paul what's going well Peter stands up and tells them what happens with him and Cornelius and then Paul asks Paul about to testify about what's going on with them and so he does and that's where James mentioned this morning he stands up and gives the final say so and it says, no, we don't have to, they don't have to follow the ceremonial laws. They don't have to be um, circumcised. And uh, we don't need to put that burden on them. They don't have to become Jews. Uh, in a sense, they really are, if they're believing as Abraham did. And then he quotes, of course, from uh, Amos there. Well, and, and so they write a letter to go out to the Gentile converts. And... At the end of chapter 15, verse 36, what do we see happening? Paul and Barnabas separate. Yeah, they separate. What are they separating over? Barnabas wanted to bring Mark, and Paul didn't. Yeah. And Mark, you know, they took Mark on their first missionary journey, and he, he didn't make it all the way. Um, he said, this isn't exactly what I signed up for. I need to go home. I need to see mom, I guess. I, I don't know. But he, he had to leave, and um, he didn't stick it out with them. Uh, journey was a little too tough for him at that time. He must have been a young man. And Barnabas says, 
Lord Paul says, let's go on a missionary journey. Let's go on a second missionary journey. Barnabas says, that's a great idea. You know what? Barnabas, being the encourager he is, says, you know, we could take Mark with us. You know, let him know that. And Paul says, no, fool me once. Shame on you. Right? Fool me twice. Shame on me. And we're not going to have that happening here. And so, um, until they split up over it. And Barnabas takes Mark, and they go their way. And Paul then gets, who's his second partner here? Silas. Silas, yeah. So Paul and Silas uh, go off on missionary journeys. They take a second and then a third missionary journey as well. Now, especially on the third missionary journey, there's... Uh, do you know what Paul, one of the main things Paul was thinking of doing in the third missionary journey? You find it in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 and 9. Is that when he wanted to go one, where, one place and the Spirit said no? No, that was, that was someplace else. But uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, what do we find? Is he taking the gift to Jerusalem? He's headed to Jerusalem. Telling them he's coming. Before he gets there, they're supposed to do something. Gather money. Huh? Money for a gift for the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, money for oh. gifts to the saints in Jerusalem. They're, they've got a famine going on. And so a number of those in Jerusalem are hurting. And so he's saying, let's, let's see the church become one like it really should be. Jews and Gentiles, not separating over uh, our ethnicity ethnicity right and so he's saying we'll take a collection the gentiles will take a collection they've got the money we'll take a collection i'm going to take it into jerusalem to help out those who are hurting so much in the church in jerusalem and so paul is take, planning on taking up a collection for them um, and certainly he uh, when when he writes the the letter to the church in rome it seems that he's probably writing it from corinth and he's, he's gone there to take up the collection, and he's headed to Jerusalem. He's writing those in Rome saying, I'm longing to come see you. I'm going to come see you, but first I've got to take what we have from the uh, collection we've taken up. Then we, we've got to take it to Jerusalem first, right? And so you recall he's on his way to Jerusalem here in uh, Acts uh, chapter 20. On his way to uh, Jerusalem, uh, he, he meets with the uh, elders in the church in Ephesus. And that's where he tells them, you know, when, uh, when I'm gone, you got to be aware of, of wolves and sheep's clothing coming in sort of thing. And um, <clears throat> they're, they're trying to plead with him not to go. Uh, it seems that there was a... Uh, a prophet who came and took his belt and tied up his, his hands and said, you know, this, this is what's going to happen to this man if he goes on into Jerusalem. And so they know that uh, something bad like that might happen, but they're not able to dissuade him. He goes on into Jerusalem anyway. We find uh, him in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 21. He's got with him uh, Timothy. And there's something kind of unique about Timothy. Remember, it might cause a problem for Paul in, uh, in Jerusalem. His father was a Gentile. 
his, his father was a Gentile, right? And so there are people are going to say, he's a Gentile. He's also Paul. very young, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's still pretty young. This is, this is even before Paul writes his letters to him, telling people not to, not, telling Timothy not let, to let people despise his youth. Sort right. Of so um, he goes in there in Jerusalem, and Paul is doing, because he's, he's trying not to in any way offend the uh, Jewish Christians there, or other Jews. So he's going to the temple and doing the things that uh, he's, he's supposed to be doing as a Jew at that point. And someone sees him in the temple, and they say, he brought a Gentile in here. He didn't, but they said he did. And so they begin this big, big hubbubaloo, right? And they start beating Paul and probably would have killed him, but the Romans are there and they don't like this kind of disorder going on. And so um, they get Paul and save his life at that point, right? And, um, and that's when we find out, of course, that Paul is a Roman citizen. They're, they're ready to punishing him without even a trial or anything. It's just that this man caused this ruckus and we can't have this sort of thing going on. And so they, uh, they, uh, uh, and, and so they, they try to have a, a meeting with the Paul and the Sanhedrin. Well, they're, they're plotting different ways that they can hand Paul put to death, right? And uh, when word finally comes around, they get Paul out of there uh, out of Jerusalem and uh, take him before uh, Felix and uh, Felix is, uh, doesn't come to much conclusions with him and after Felix, uh, Festus uh, comes, becomes uh, the leader there and he's trying to get him to go back to Jerusalem to get on trial and Paul knows that that's not going to work because if he goes there, they're going to kill him. So what does Paul do? Appeals to Rome. He, he, appeals, he appeals to Caesar. I, I, I want to take my, my, my case all the way to Rome and go to see Caesar. Now, when Paul writes the letter to the Romans, he didn't think that this was the way he was going to get to Rome. Did he? <laughs> he, was, he was telling them, as soon as I'm done in Jerusalem, it's just a short stop there to give them this money, and then I'm coming your way. But instead, it takes a lot longer. But Paul does uh, finally uh, get to, uh, he does uh, finally get to Rome. And we find him uh, getting to Rome, uh, you know, that's where he's on the, on the sea on the way. And they have the storm and the big shipwreck. And uh, he gets bitten by the snake that they all think is the most deadly snake. And they say, surely this man's a terrible person. Uh, and the gods have sent this snake to bite him. And. He flicks it off in the fire, and he, he has no repercussions from it, right? Like the pigs. Yeah. I just found out about pigs. They have some kind of secretion glands that help eliminate all kinds of stuff. And so I was asking Bill about uh, um, pigs eating snakes. I said, what happens if they get bit? It doesn't bother them. They got these glands to do it. Anyway, so Paul... I'm not calling him a pig or anything, but it's just the <laughs> snake bite didn't bother him, okay? He just flicks the snake off in the fire, and then they think he's a god, right? But uh, he finally <laughs> arrives in Rome, and then we see that uh, in the end of Acts there, uh, he's, uh, you know, telling everybody who has ears uh, about the gospel, and he's under house arrest, 
and um, so he, he's uh, always uh, telling everybody there about the gospel. Now, Paul, part of his plan to go to Rome, if you can turn with me in Romans chapter 15. Part of his plan to go to uh, Rome, we, we see uh, part of the reason he wants to do this, certainly he wants to go and visit the people who are there. But look in verse 23, Romans 15, verse 23. Paul has been uh, preaching the gospel in Macedonia and in all these areas. And, and listen to what he says in verse 23. But now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I've been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. <laughs> He's planning on taking the gospel to Spain. It's a virgin territory, if you will. Hasn't, hasn't been given there. And so that's what Paul's doing. He's saying, God wants me to go to Spain to take the gospel. He must, because there's I won't be building on anybody else's uh, work that they've already done. This will be new, and I'll be able to, to take it there. And so he's planning on going to Spain, but he wants to stop in Rome first. Part of the reason he wants to stop in Rome and maybe have Rome be a sending church, maybe helping helping with finances. We kind of uh, see that a little bit here. Um, but uh, so he, he, he says, uh, I, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me in my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. And what verse is that, please? Um, that's uh, 23 and 24. And so he's, he's saying, I, I want to uh, have you enroll, assist me in going there. So uh, that, that was his plan first. All right, where did the Christians, if he hadn't been to Rome, where did the Christians come from that were in Rome? Um, were a they lot. From, were they from the Pentecost? Yeah, that's that's the thought where the church originally starts. Is it is it Pentecost? And there were people at Pentecost, probably who were from that area, and they heard the gospel there, became Christians. They took it back to Rome. The church started there. Um, the church uh, at at one point. The early, uh, the early 50s. Claudius had run all the Jews out. Claudius runs the Jews out. That's and that's where we meet Priscilla. Aquila. Yeah. yeah, Aquila and Priscilla meet Paul right. there in Corinth, I think, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And, um, but, but they've been run out of, of Jerusalem. And part of it was because they kept having these, these kind of riots when uh, uh, Christians, uh, Jewish Christians, Jews, Certain Jews became Christians, and the non-Christian Jews were calling them apostate and all this, and so they were having these conflicts. And Claudius said, we're not going to have this. The way to remedy it is just all the Jews have to leave Rome. Right? So he, he gets them all out. Well, Claudius dies, and when he dies, the next emperor doesn't mind the Jews, and so the Jews come back. But while they were gone, the church is now exclusively... Uh, the church in Rome would be exclusively Gentile while the, the, the Jews are gone. So the Jews come back, and this is part of the writing of Rome, this is part of the issue that's going on there in Rome, is the Jews come back and they're expecting things to be just like it was, but you have a church that's totally Gentile being run there, and so these Jews come back and they're looking at it and going, this isn't what we left, you know, sort of thing. And so they got some, they got some issues there. 
And so that's part of what Paul is writing to them about in, in Romans. It's just one of the one of the issues that he's saying. Um, you know, we we got to you know work together. There there is no separation in Christ or all one. And so, uh, but anyway, Paul finally gets to Rome. He gets there as a prisoner. We see in Acts chapter uh, twenty-eight. Um, we're not real certain about what happens at this point. Many scholars believe that Paul is, is released from prison in Rome and goes on to Spain. He goes on to some other places as well. But he goes to Spain and then uh, coming back through, um, Nero has become emperor. And do you remember what happens in 64? He sets Rome on fire and burns yeah. the Christians. Yeah, Rome, Rome gets burned, and so Nero needs to find a scapegoat, and he blames Christians. And so this is the first time in 64 Christianity, it, up to this point, Christianity has been just thought of as a sect of Judaism, which is accepted as a, a legal religion. But at this point, he's saying, no, that's not part of Judaism. That's something different, and it's illegal. So Paul now is uh, he's coming back through Rome, and this is this is what many scholars think is that he's rearrested and put in prison in Rome. At this point, it, it, it seems that it's quite possible that, that during his second imprisonment in Rome, if this is what happened. Uh, that he writes uh, letters to Timothy and to Titus and, and, and maybe even to Philippians to the church in, in Philippi. Um, some of these letters, you know, where he's, he's talking about, I am a prisoner, and uh, some of these things are happening uh, to me in prison. Uh, look with me in 2 Timothy, one of Paul's last letters. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter four. And we'll begin in verse nine. He's writing to Timothy, he says, Do your best to come to me quickly. Um, for Demas has loved this world. And he has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Um Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to uh, Delmatia. Dalmatia. Dalmatia, thank you. <laughs> uh, and, and Luke is with me. Uh, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. That's pretty interesting. Get Mark, right? <laughs> Maybe he's, he's ready to accept Mark. Now get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. And and so on. Uh, verse 14, Alexander the uh, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. Uh, the Lord will repay him for what he has done. Uh, so you should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. He goes on, at my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. The Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. So, uh, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear about it and so on. Paul writing to Timothy saying, 
um, Demas left me. Uh, Alexander treated me awful. He's saying, my first offense, no one who was here with me, I thought maybe someone would come and stood with me, but no one did. What's going on? He seems to be left all alone, right? Luke is there, maybe his physician. It's interesting, he's telling Timothy to come and uh, bring his coat. Um, he didn't have that provision, and uh, so uh, he needed to, to have that. He, I guess, was tired of being cold there in prison. And um, this doesn't sound like the house arrest. It sounds like a much more serious thing that's going on here. And uh, it, it seems that uh, this is kind of tough for him, uh, kind of all alone. Second um, Timothy 4, 6 through 8, uh, just a little bit before that, Paul seems to write his own epitaph. It could have been maybe put on a tombstone for him, right? For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. Sounds like he knows it's about time. It's going to happen here. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearance. Paul seems to know that it's about time. He knows that the, the, what he has done, he's fight the, he fought the good fight, he's kept the faith, that the Lord, and he knows that the Lord's the one doing it, right? I'm convinced that he began a good work and he will carry it on to completion. He knows that's what's happening here. And, but he's seen the Lord do it in his life. We don't know for sure, we don't know for certain, but it seems like uh, there is some historical evidence to suggest that Paul was killed uh, right outside the city of Jerusalem. Um, I guess most people who would be convicted of that sort of crime would have been crucified. Roman citizens couldn't be crucified. It was too inhumane. And so if you're a Roman citizen and you got the death penalty, they couldn't crucify you. Instead, you were, you were executed with a beheading. And so the, the uh, history suggests that uh, Paul dies of martyr's death um, right outside of Jerusalem. Um, sometime, probably just before Nero's death, Nero died in June, I think it was June of 68, yeah. and um, he committed suicide, but uh, he dies in June of 68. It suggested that Paul's, uh, uh, Paul's uh, execution was either the latter part of 67 or the earlier part of 68, just before Nero uh, uh, commits suicide. That's the life of Paul, one who... Um, and you'd look at him beforehand and you go, this doesn't look like someone God would use for his kingdom. Kind of like Ananias. I've heard of this guy. God has different ways. And God can use uh, the vessels that he will use. And uh, as, as he used the Apostle Paul. Did you see the movie, Paul the Apostle of God? I may have. Who was, who was the character? Who was the... I've seen I've seen Paul. one movie on him. I don't the know Diesels him. played uh, Luke. Vin Diesel. No. Diesel. 
Jim Caruso. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, it's where they that walk. was a re relatively recent movie. Right. Yeah. No, I haven't they seen go it. in, and the first thing you see is a Christian burning on the pole. Mm. No, I didn't. Yeah, oh, I didn't it, see that it's movie. It's intense. Yeah. It's like Private Ryan. The first five minutes of it. Yeah. You don't need to see that but once. I mean, and it's. Ugh. Yeah. It's, you're talking about gruesome. All righty. Do you mind dismissing us in prayer? No, all right.